0: In this series we're going to go into, this is the Lord leading us and moving us forward into new things, into life, into, into goodness, into the things that only He can take us into, into things that require faith, into things that require us putting our full trust in Him. Um, so this is, this is where we're going and where we're going to kind of sit today. So I'm going to read that verse that He kicked us off with. This is this is kind of our, uh, our theme verse, if you will, in Philippians. So I'm going to read this, and then we're going to go into the 23rd Psalm. So it says this. Dear brothers and sisters, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. There is a heavenly prize awaiting us, awaiting us. And this is where Jesus is leading us. This is, this, is a good, this is a good thing. I do know this, and if you follow Jesus for even an ounce of time, you know this, that he will often lead us through hard times. He will often lead us through struggles and through pain. He'll lead us through valleys and to mountaintops but he's always leading us toward this heavenly prize. He's always leading us to good things, to new things in him. So we're going to hone in on this this morning. And when Eric shared the, the direction that he wanted to go these three weeks, this, the 23rd Psalm popped out to me. I remembered when I was about, well, I actually didn't remember. I had to be reminded going through... Um, some old boxes that we, that we had. I, I, have, I have about this much stuff from when I was little. I don't have very much. And one of them, though, is a, is a binder. And in that binder, I was like, oh. I, I was in a program growing up um, at our church called Royal, Royal Rangers. It was like, it was, it was Boy Scouts. It was Christian Boy Scouts. I enjoyed it. It really pushes you into Scripture. I, I developed a deep love for Scripture um, there. And I went through, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I was 19, 1999. I was you know, five five turning six, and I had all these verses in there that they checked off that I had memorized, and I was part of this, this thing, this, it, it was so that you could achieve, and basically I said, okay, at the, end of, at the end of the year, we're going to score you on all the things that you've learned, and, and we'll check it off if you can memora, remember it at that time, and there's all these questions about Jesus and Scripture, and, and then these list of verses, about seven or eight verses. I didn't get all of them, of course, you know, five or six years old, but uh seeing there the twenty third psalm marked off It's like oh man how how long have I had this sitting in my heart and mind like i you know, i i for some reason i don't remember i don't remember my childhood accurately all the time. I always thought I was a little older but the, <laughs> i don't know but the twenty third psalm it, it's it's been there and it's always kind of in my mind and i I re- at, when I remembered that I had memorized this way back when, I thought, what did I think of this verse then as, as, a, as a little kid? And I often thought that this is what's waiting for us when we die. This is six-year-old Stephen, this is what's waiting for us when we die. And then, but now reading it, no, 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 Jesus is leading us now that we may have him now And the fullness of him is coming to us in the heavenly places. This is the heavenly prize. And so I just want to share that with you because I know that the 23rd Psalm, it's often one of those things that the verses that a lot of people know. You don't even really have to be a believer to know the verse. But there's some real good stuff in it. So let's read it this morning. And just if you will, take a moment to really understand what the psalmist is wanting to communicate here You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our shepherd, amen? And this is how he leads us. So we're talking about the new things that we're going into. When we're talking about the good things we're going into, we we can look at Scripture and say, this is how our shepherd leads us. He gently calls us to follow him. And where he goes, all of these good things are. Yeah, through pain, through struggle. His aim and his goals, though, moving us forward forward. Moving us to freedom, moving us to life, moving us to blessing. Yes, even in the midst and through pain, struggle, and difficulty. And it's not that I don't already have these wonderful things. I have life right now. I'm in Jesus. I have access to life. I'm alive in him. I have access to blessing. I'm blessed by him. He leads us in each of these things that we may always have them in him. There's this really cool dynamic that he's leading us to these things while we have them in him already. So what, what does this say? Well, at the end of the verse, you know, it, it says, well, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Where he goes is goodness and mercy. And as I'm with him, I always have those things, amen? They're, they're, always, they're always mine. He leads us to greater knowledge and understanding of his love, that we may dive deeper and deeper into him. In him, I'm being led in those things to more of those things. That that dynamic is just kind of mind-blowing for me. I know I keep repeating it. Being led in those things in him to those things by him. It's it's just really, really good. In freedom to freedom. Freedom. In life in Jesus, to life. In blessing, to blessing. This is how I'm being led. I'm being led in rest, to rest. In healing, to healing. In forgiveness, to forgiveness. And in truth, to truth. This is what we have in Jesus and where he wants us to go. Sometimes looking to the future can often look daunting for us. How many people in here enjoy change? Not very many people enjoy change. Now, I bet I can put all those hands down when I say how many people uh, enjoy change when it doesn't go your way. Yeah, I don't think I want to see any hands up because uh, people's first reactions are not the best reaction to change that's coming. This is how he leads us, though. And so when we're thinking about, man, there's change coming, there's forward movement coming, Oftentimes, those aren't things that rest easy in my mind, but because I have Jesus, I can say, yes, let's go there. Let's, let's move forward let's, because I'm in, in him. What David is expressing in the 23rd Psalm is that the scenery of the journey may change. It will change, but the shepherd and his destination will not. And this is where we take comfort. The journey is going to have many different scenes. I'm only, I'm only 30, and I know this. My life has had many different uh, settings. And it's going to have many different settings more. Because he's going to lead me in places I never thought of. But he is leading me. And so I can confidently go with him. I can confidently go with him. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a bold statement. That's a bold statement. How many of you guys want? Yeah, I want. I'm already feeling a little hungry. Um, I'm already feeling a little parched, waiting for that next verse so I can take a drink. Yeah, there's one. I shall not want. What's he getting at here? Well, I shall not want because... Well, in him is everything I need, and when he leads me, his goodness and mercy are always with me, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. My, my God does not change. My shepherd does not change, and the destination is not changing. Where he's leading is not changing. I'm going to go all over the place, twisting and winding and, and whatnot, but he is sure in it all. Amen? Amen? So the shepherd who cares for us, who leads us, who is protecting us. This is the good shepherd. The forward movement he is guiding us in happens as we follow him. It it seems self-evident, but I need to be reminded of this all the time. I I can't go where he's going if I don't follow him. I can't go where he's going if I don't follow him. Sometimes I'm like, man, what is going on in my life? What, why am I feeling this way? Why, why am I struggling with this? And Jesus is like, well, uh, the outcome you're looking for is with me. And, and you veered off. H- how foolish are you to think that you can have what's only in me apart from me? Why would you think that you could get what I'm giving you apart from me? Why would you think that you could get to the destination that only I can take you to without following me? You can't have what he only brings, cannot go where he only goes, cannot have the life he only provides. And when he says, I am the true vine, he said, abide in me and I abide in you, but apart from me, you don't get any of it. I am the source of it all. Not following Jesus, though, is not a neutral space. We think, we often get twisted in our minds that there's these three options. I follow Jesus, I don't follow Jesus, and then I follow all the bad things. Well, that's not exactly how it works, is it? Now there, there, we know this that there's two options. Not following him into that which he has for us isn't just a decision to not go there. It's the act of inviting the exact opposite. You know, when we don't follow Jesus into peace, you know what we get? Chaos and conflict. We just don't. We don't get just the absence of peace, as if that that void somehow exists. We get the opposite of what he wants to lead us into. When he talks about himself as the good shepherd in John 10, he also mentions this in John 10 verses 9 and 10. He says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose, though, is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. What he's laying out for here is, I'm the good shepherd who gives life. Everything else, death. This is the, the black and white narrative of scripture. There's life and there's death. There's no in between. There's no Jesus came to make me a better person. No, he came to make a dead person a live person. Amen? And so this is what's at stake. In Jesus, we're, we're saved, saved and safe from that which wreaks havoc on our life. He alone leads us to abundant life. Life overflowing, life full, life blessed. And so the message is clear in Scripture. Stick by his side. Stick by his side. Our shepherd will care for us and he will lead us. He's going to lead us into places that are going to be extremely uncomfortable, to decisions that are really difficult. He's going to lead us into things that are best for you, but you may not even want. He's going to lead you into things that you absolutely need, but it's going to be really difficult for you to accept. Thinking like the hard things, like forgiving those that have hurt us deeply. Thinking of the hard things like actually confronting the lies that live within us that we've just been kind of dragging around for a while. Things like self-sacrifice on a level that is beyond what you think is necessary or a level beyond what you think other people deserve. This is where he's leading us. Those are just a few examples of it. He's going to lead us in a way that only he can. Only he can. That's why I started this morning, I think this is the Lord wants that 23rd Psalm to just be present on our mind as we're going through this. Hey, it's hard, but this is how I lead. Okay? It's difficult This is how I lead. It's going to be rough, and you're going to have to do some internal, even external wrestling. But this is how I lead. I'm the good shepherd. I'm always with you. I'm guiding you. I have that goodness. I have that mercy, and I'm taking you somewhere that is eternally good, eternally in your favor, and eternally fulfilling. Without Jesus... We are in constant lack. We're in constant hunger and thirst. Constantly searching for that which will satisfy. You, you notice that each of us has a desire to be satisfied? Like it's, it's innate. We're kind of born with it, right? We, we come out of the womb crying for food. Feed me. I'm full. Or I'm not full. I want to be full, <laughs> right? And if you have kids, you, you know this. My, my kids, in the midst of eating breakfast are asking about lunch, and in the midst of lunch are asking, uh, are asking about snack, and then, and, then, uh, and then dinner, and then are like, what's for breakfast the next day? And, and my daughter, she can't tell time on a clock like this with Roman numerals and such, but she does know when the little hand gets to that one that looks like a five to us, she's like, oh, mom, it's, lunch. it's time to eat dinner, right, mom? Mom, it's, you need to start making dinner. There's always there's, there's this innate thing in us that wants to be satisfied and full. And a lot of times we see that as, like, oh, well, that's just an immaturity, and it can turn into an immaturity. But I think we're born with this, we're, it's built into us. We are created. You know, you're created to be full and satisfied. You're created that feeling when you're, when you're done, like, oh, yeah, that, was, that hit the spot. That times infinity you are designed to be created with. This sense of full satisfaction. This is how we're wired. There's something in us that wants to be satisfied. We're built to have more than we currently have, to be satisfied. And there's something in us that knows there is more, and it's looking for that satisfaction. All of these things in us, it's found in Jesus alone, amen? It's found in Jesus alone. I, I want to be full, then, well, you want, you want Jesus. I want to be satisfied. Well, you, again, you want Jesus. Well, no, I think I, I, think I actually want this. I think I, I, I want a worldly security, or I want a worldly acceptance, or, or I want a, a worldly approval. No, 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 You want those things. You want security. You want, a, you want acceptance. You want to be fulfilled in life. But what you're actually saying is you want Jesus. That's the correct interpretation of those things. You want Jesus. This is why Paul can confidently say, he says, you know, I, I, I know how to live with little and I know how to live with a lot because I have Jesus. Because regardless if I have little or if I have a lot, I have all I need because I have Jesus. It's, it's this, yeah, amen, it's this mind-blowing thing. He leads me into new things. He leads me into better things. He leads me into more life. He leads me into more him. So currently, I have all that I need in Jesus. And guess what? He's leading me to more of it. More of it. So wouldn't I want to go where he's going? Don't I want to stay with him? Don't I keep my eyes focused on this guy? Because Jesus is looking to move us forward into new things, into good things, into places he has prepared for us. Listen to me. There is a place he has prepared for you. Yes, a heavenly place. But there's places tomorrow and the next day and the next year and every day after that that He has prepared for you to be. Tomorrow, the place He has prepared for you is His rest and His peace and His goodness and His satisfaction. He's prepared that place for you. He has prepared for you your future. it's there. And you know what it looks like? Jesus. Yes. It looks like Jesus. Every single day it looks like Jesus. But the shepherd warns us of danger. He warns us of danger. At the same time he says, I'm the good shepherd who will lead you rightly. I am the good shepherd who will protect you in all things. I am the good shepherd who, who, is, the, who is the gate into that which has saving grace, salvation for his fold. And at the same time he says that, he says, but be warned. There's danger. There's that which wants to act as a hindrance and a weight to you as you pursue me. There are things that will prevent forward movement in your life. There are things that will completely derail us from the path Jesus has us on. There are things that want nothing more than to rip us apart from him, to take our focus off of him. There's an enemy that's looking to cut you off from the abundance that you have in Christ. He does this by convincing you to give up what you have in him, to give up what Jesus is giving you, to abandon the path that Jesus has you on. Now, it does need to be said that the enemy has no power against Jesus. None. He's powerless. Nothing he can really do. If it's yours, it's yours. He can't take it away from you. But what he can do is he can lie to you. What he can do is he can tempt you. What he can do is he can persuade you. And his aim is simple. His aim is really simple. It's this. It's to take our gaze off of Jesus and our hearts to what cannot satisfy. He wants to take it from what can satisfy to what can't satisfy. And he wants us to begin pursuing that thing. He wants to convince us that there is something else that can satisfy when the truth is there's nothing else that can satisfy. He wants to to tempt us in many, many, many ways to veer off the path of righteousness that Christ has for us. And the lies, the lies are both simple and complex. The lies are both appealing and unappealing. And we can simultaneously say, this sounds absolutely absurd. Why would I abandon that? which satisf- satisfies. Why would I replace a, a delicious, juicy steak with a bag of chips. Like, why why would I do that? Well, we can say that and at the same time nods our heads to, yeah, I actually understand that reality that you're speaking of. Because I have been lied to. And I have fallen for the lie. And I have gone astray. And I have found myself wandering. And on the wrong path, and how did I get there? Well, I believed a simple lie, or a complex lie, or an appealing lie, or even unappealing lies. I just went that way. But whatever it was, you have what you have in Jesus, and it cannot be taken away. The enemy simply convinced you to give it up. Give it up. It's it's, it's kind of it's like, I want, you, I want you to imagine that, you know, Jesus comes and, and buys you a home. Buys you a brand new home. Everything you could ever want in it. Whatever that looks like for you. You know, a room with a spa and a nice comfy mattress. And then right outside the window is a pool. And maybe it's on the golf course somewhere or on the beach, you know. And you say, here it is. And then he comes back a couple months later to find you still living in your shack compared to what he's given you. It's like, well, I've given you this. Why don't you go live there? Oh, well, I just thought, well, yeah, you just thought wrong. Here's here's what I have for you. Take it. The enemy can't take away what Jesus has freely given you, but he can convince you to give it up. And there's, there's two things to be said, though, before we continue. There's two things to be said. One, Jesus never stops pursuing us. Never stops pursuing us. Whether you've accepted him or you haven't accepted him, whether you're, you're just off the, off the, off the path or, or, or you've been in the weeds for a long, long time, Jesus never stops pursuing us. He's right there. He's right there. It's like you ever, I used to do this thing uh, with Luke in the mall because we're the same height and so I can do this. But in the mall, we try to be weaving through the, the crowds and stuff and I'd get right up next to him like this behind him. Just legs in step. It's the most awkward thing in the world. Especially when you're the one in front and you look back and you're like, what is going on? That's Jesus. He's right there. He's so close to you. And if you turn to him, you cannot miss him. He's right there, ready. He never stops pursuing us. All that he has for you is yours the moment you turn to him. It's that simple. The other thing it says, we, we must hold on to truth. We must hold on to truth in order that we may think correctly about where we are and where we're headed at all times. It's really difficult. It's actually impossible to think about, it's impossible to think correctly about where we're going when we're believing a lie. You you can't do it. Because you're believing the lie, you're thinking, well, I'm pursuing this, which cannot satisfy, but I'm convinced it will satisfy, and so I'm going this way. But when you're in truth, you know that won't satisfy, so why would I ever pursue that. So we must be holding on to truth. We must know that there is an enemy, and we must see the lies for what they are, and if we don't recognize the lies, we'll be taken out by them. So we must hold on to truth. This is where we're going this morning. We're going we're we want to talk about the real battles that we fight. The real battles, the battles that that matter, the the battle that that is over our soul. The batter, battle that is over the satisfaction and the fullness and, and the peace in your life. Those things that are, are inside us, that we know we want satisfied. That, that's the real battle. Paul calls it, he said, I'm more concerned with the unseen. I'm more concerned with the unseen. And so in 2 Corinthians, he talks about the unseen. Second Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 And he says this, he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. And he's not talking about the bad flesh. He's saying, though I'm human, I don't fight like humans do. I don't have a physical sword. I'm not taking physical territory. That really doesn't mean a whole ton to me. I don't fight like, like we do in the physical. Because our weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. To obey Christ. I want to give a little bit of context to this to this verse. You know, Paul here This is the second letter to the Corinthians. And there's a group of people uh, at the church in Corinth who has come and said, well, you know, Paul's really, he's not that strong and imposing. You know, what kind of authority does he really have? He talks real strong to you in these letters. But when he's actually here, he's all sweet and gentle and kind. What what is going going on here? And Paul really says, well, that's really for your sake because I don't fight like these men do. I don't come to lord over you with my presence and demand fealty to me because I'm concerned with something greater than all of this. I'm concerned with the unseen. I'm concerned with your soul. I'm concerned with that which you pursue on the inside, though you may never voice it to anybody else. I'm concerned with what Jesus is concerned with, and that is the real battle that's taking place in your life. So Paul says all this. He says, so if. You're wondering why I look different. If you're wondering why these men's authority look different than my authority, it's because I'm taking authority in a spiritual place. I'm taking authority in this place which actually matters. If you want to know why I live this way, it's because, not because I'm weak, it's just because I'm fighting the real battle. We are more concerned with the unseen than the seen. Because we deal primarily with that which manifests in the physical, but is primarily a spiritual reality. I can see the product of our lives. You can see the product of my life. But that physical manifestation, well, that's really just the result of a spiritual reality. Just like, and Paul compares it to this in Galatians, he says, well, it's just like roots of a tree, right? Deep roots, deep roots. You don't see the roots, but you can see the effects of the roots. You don't see the roots and how deep they are, but you can taste the fruit and see that it's good, right? So he says, I'm concerned with the unseen. Our fight and our resisting looks different. And so when we're talking about the lies of the enemy, our weapons are tailored to our enemy, Our weapons are tailored to our enemy. We might find ourselves feeling like we're being overwhelmed by the enemy. There are moments in our our lives, and perhaps you walked into the room feeling it this morning, that, man, my life is in chaos. Peace has been been distant. I come on Sunday mornings, and I hear of these great things, but I can't really grasp them. I know Jesus wants them for me, but why, why does it feel so different? Well, it may just be that you're fighting with ineffective weapons. It may just be that you're ignorant of the real foe or you're altogether oblivious of the fact that you're even under attack. There's a real battle. There's a real enemy and he's looking to wreak havoc on your life. Jesus, our good shepherd, who's looking to guide you in his peace and his comfort and his goodness and his love and his life and the list goes on and on. There's an enemy looking to take all that away from you. He's going to do it with, with lies. So we must think correctly about these things. We must know that we are in a fight and, and hold on to what is true and fight that which is not. Amen? Because when you're in a battle, what do you do? Well, you're, you armor up and you take up arms, right? You armor up and you take up arms. The only reason you wouldn't do that in a battle is you're crazy. You, you, you don't know where you're at you're, you're on a battlefield, bud. You've got to have some sort of armor, you've got to have some sort of weapon. Um, or or you're, you're, you're convinced the lines are drawn in different places. You're thinking the battle's over there when it's really right here. In Ephesians six, it says this: Ephesians 6:11 through12 says, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And to some, this might sound wild, right? Sound wild. Wow, that's a, that's, if you really think about what's being said, I know when we're in scripture for a long time, this sounds like a very normal thing to say, Right? But when you're not, if you're not a, around this at all, this is wild. Whoa, what is happening out there? Well, Paul's like, hey, there's a real battle going on. There, there's, something, there's something you need to be aware of. There's a real battle you're in, and you must hold on to truth to think correctly and act correctly about this. The Lord wants to move you forward. But there's also an enemy that wants to rip you from that forward progress. All he's moving you forward into is good things, and the enemy does not want you to have that. He doesn't want you to have it at all. And the battle that we, uh, the battle which stands against the truth of God. This is this is what we're fighting. It's it's we're fighting against that which stands against the truth of God. That. It's the lies and the schemes of the enemy. This is any thought, any idea, any movement, any person that stands against the reality of who God is. It could be simple things like God doesn't care about you. That's a, that's a lie that stands against the reality of who God is because he does care about you deeply. This is anything that comes to derail me from following Jesus as he directs, and it's gonna take many various forms and come from many different directions, both internal and external. External ones like it's the thoughts of others, it's the opinions of others about God or about me or about other people. It's the ways and logic of this world. And then there's my own thoughts, my own feelings, my own instincts and my own reactions, things like my own pride and worry. Uh, things like uh, false hopes or hopelessness, um, uh, temptations and selfish desires. So, so these lies are coming from every direction to, to drag us down. This is why, though, we need renewal of our hearts and minds. Holding on to truth. To think correctly about where we are and where we're going. Because the enemy is looking to throw anything he can at you to ensure that you don't follow Jesus, anything, if it sticks, he's all for it, great, this one worked, I'm just going to keep pressing in here, you ever worry, wonder why you keep dealing with the same issues sometimes, maybe it's because it keeps sticking, (laughs) and the enemy's like, that one still sticks, that one still sticks, that one still sticks, And unless, though, we take up arms against it, both to defend and to fight, we'll be taken out by it. But when we take up arms to defend ourselves, we take up arms to defend ourselves, we destroy and take captive the lies that seek to penetrate heart and mind. We destroy those things and we take captive those things. We don't simply cope with the lie. We don't simply cope with the lie. We don't say, you know what, I, I, I really don't know how to shake this. I don't know how to fight this, so I got this nice convenient little, uh, little backpack. I'm just gonna put it in there. It's only gonna burden me just a little bit. I learned how to cope with it. We, we, don't, we don't make room for the stronghold in our life. You just don't let the enemy take up residence in your territory. Let me read it this way. Take up residence in Jesus' territory. He's laid claim to you. We take captive the lie. We don't bring it with us. We destroy the strongholds. We don't adapt to its presence. We take captive every thought, not find a way to get along with it. We don't tolerate these things. These are ineffective strategies. You can't ignore You can't ignore the attack of the enemy and expect not to get beaten down, right? You ignore the attacks. The reality of them doesn't just disappear. You're just going to find yourself heavily devastated by the time you say, I'm ready to stand up. Now, the beauty is in all of this, Jesus is right there. So the moment you turn to him, and grasp his truth. Bam, victory right there. Amen? Yeah. That's the good thing. So, we're going to get into this. We're going to get into victory strategies. Victory strategies. This is to destroy and take captive with truth. With truth. Because we have been given weapons of victory to destroy. Weapons of victory to destroy. The sword of the spirit, the word of God, the truth that is Jesus, this is the weapon in which I can come and fight. The truth of Jesus, I come and I just, I, we fight by taking every thought, every stronghold, every opinion, and then subjecting it to and with truth. We we take our sword and with just big, powerful blows, we beat down the lies of the enemy. And, and I have to, there, there is a little bit of aggression to it. I'm sorry if you're uncomfortable with aggression. But there's aggression to it because, yeah, we have to be intentional with it. We have to be strong with it. And it has to take our focus. So we take our sword, we take that truth, and which is Jesus, and we strike those lies down. We say, this lie does not belong here. This lie is not taking up residence in my life. And this could be anything. So we're going we're gonna to strike down the sin in our lives. The sin that maybe we're making excuses for right now. That exists and still swirls around in our hearts. This is from worry. This is unforgiveness. Some sort of addiction. You beat it. You pierce it. You destroy it with truth. This is the societal and cultural norms that surround us. This is the definition of good shifting moment by moment. We don't just tolerate those. The world can have them. I, I'm not going to believe them. I'm not going to allow it here. And at the same time I say the world can have them, I'm also not satisfied with those people that I see every single day living with them. The Lord's giving you an objective Hey, you take that truth and you go start beating down lies. You start being a light which illuminates, which was not seen before. Because this is what light does. Light reveals truth in a dark place. So you go out into this dark world and you start revealing truth. And this is our weapon in which we fight with. And then we strike down the burdens placed on you by others. This can be the words spoken about you. And I'm going to say this nothing but the truth of God will stick here. I don't want it to stick. Because in the truth of God is the reality of who you are, too. In the existence and reality of who He is, there your identity is. So with His truth, every lie beaten down. So we take every thought captive of external and internal origin. We're, let me say it this way. You are subject to the wills and whims of whatever has you captive, right? You're subject to the wills and whims of whatever has you captive. Uh, If if all of the, the young men in the room came up and ganged up on me and took me captive, and they started taking my hand and punching myself, I I could not stop them. Maybe six years ago, I said I could have put up a good fight. But now they overpower me pretty pretty easily. Uh, Mainly, they know all my weak spots now. Um, But we're subject to the wills and whims of whatever has us captive. If I'm taken captive, I'm in a position to do only what my captor wants. Only what my captor wants. That's why... We proclaim joyfully that I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm a slave to freedom. I'm a slave to Christ. Because I'm subjecting myself to the wills and whims of my Savior. Amen? This is where I want to go. This is where he's leading me. I won't do anything that he doesn't tell me to do. I won't go anywhere that he's not guiding me to go. Yes, we're subject to that which has us captive. And we're subject to Christ, which we belong to now. And he is leading us in his freedom and in his life. No longer slaves to sin. No longer slaves to fear. No longer slaves to my flesh. You notice how something like fear, thoughts of fear take us captive? They just hold on to us. If one of my fears is snakes, I hate snakes. With, uh, I... I, I hate them. So, I know, I know. I, I'm being vulnerable with you here, George. And I know we have people in the room who have pets, pet snakes. So, but I hate snakes. Um, I, I, I can barely, I can work up the courage to kill it with a shovel from about, you know, that far. But yeah, it's, whatever. Snake people, you're something. Else. But man, that, that fear of snakes... It really has me captive. It, it does not allow me to touch a snake. Right? And this is a trivial thing compared to the real thing. There are fears, there are worries, there are sins that have you captive. And they will not let you go where Jesus wants you to go. They won't. And what Jesus is doing is at this moment, he's going to convict our hearts to say, you need to destroy that lie. I've given you the weapon of truth to do it. And I'm here empowering you. Let's beat down this lie together. Let's beat down this stronghold of sin together. Let's destroy this fear that's in your life that's keeping you from where I want to take you. Let's do it. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. He wants to take us somewhere glorious, satisfying. He, he wants to lift us up. Listen, when he comes and he, and he starts convicting our hearts, and he says, hey, this needs to go. He's not heaping on shame and, shame and guilt. Shame, shame and guilt, what they do is they see you in the mud, and they say, look at where you belong, you filthy pig. And that, But Jesus goes, son, daughter, You belong up here with me, not down there. I want to lift you up and I want to guide you out of this place because I have won the battle and the victory. And so I get your heart and I want to take you where I'm going. What he wants to do is he wants to free us from that which is keeping us from going where he wants us to go. It's that simple. But there are lies of various forms, various impacts, taking us various directions that have us captive. David expresses this battle, you know, because the feelings of anguish that we, may, that we have inside of us may just be that there's a thought that has us captive. And, and how do you battle with these thoughts? How do, you, how do we do that? It, it, it's a, it's, it is really a strange, strange battle. We're, we're used to putting our, our fists up. We're, we're, we're used to, you know, battling right here in the visible, but in the unseen, it's a little different. And David expresses this throughout the Psalms. In all these Psalms where he says, Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul, what is going on? Listen to this Psalm here. It says... Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Have you ever stopped and said that to yourself? The next time you are feeling, like, off, and you know it, say, this is an opportunity that God's saying, hey, start talking to your soul real quick. Start praying to me. O oh my soul, what is going on? It says, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. You see that? Why are you captive to a lie when in fact there is hope in our God? Why are you beaten down when there's victory in my Jesus? Why are you moping around when you have life? Amen? Amen. Why are you struggling with this unforgiveness when Jesus has won the day on the cross? and is making the path clear for you to be free of these burdens which weigh you down. O oh, my soul, why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for sh- I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. My soul is cast down in me. Therefore, listen, therefore, I remember you. I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and mountain. Mizar. I am struggling right now, but I'll remember the faithfulness of my God and I will go where he's going. I am hurting right now, but I will remember the healing, saving power of my God and the plans he has for me. I seem to be spinning in chaos at this moment, but I will remember my true north who is the truth of God, and I will follow after him. The reality is that a lot of times we start listening to those inner feelings and emotions when we should really be taking them captive and start speaking truth to them. It's not that those feelings and emotions aren't real, Okay. It's not that they're, they're not real. It's that we need to make sure that they line up with truth. We need to make sure that they don't derail us from where God is taking us. Yeah, Scripture said there's a time for mourning, sadness. You know, there, There's a time when our hearts are going to feel heavy and weighed down by this world. But we subject those feelings and thoughts to the truth of who God is. So you see this... The, how David is expressing this battle here rather beautifully in the psalm. Oh, my soul, why are you cast down within me? Don't you know that God is good? Don't you know that these things are empty of life? Hope in God, oh, my soul. He is our refuge. He is our strong tower. So instead of listening to ourselves, we start speaking truth to ourselves. We start identifying the lie and we start speaking truth to it. The magnificence of our God is that I'm good at getting captured by lies. Any of you guys? I'm great at it. I'm good at getting captured by lies. But he never stops pursuing us with his truth, which brings freedom. So freedom I have, readily available in the person of Jesus who lives within me. He is equipping us with his truth to defeat that which seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And we speak truth to the lies that have you wrapped in sin. We speak truth to the lies that have you drowning in shame. We speak truth to the lies that have you paralyzed by fear and lies that keep you from where Jesus wants to lead you. Can I get amen with that one? Amen. Here's some strategies that Scripture gives us. These are going to be real quick to combat the lies with truth. And these are are simple. They're simple. I think, I think Jesus every day that he made these strategies simple because I'm not sure if I could do anything more than this, especially when we're weighed down. But this, first strategy, worship in spirit and truth. Worship in spirit, spirit and truth, declaring what is true. I use that word declaring on purpose. I use it all the time with our students. I want to stick in their heads. They leave youth group, that word declare is is in their minds. I'm not just singing words on a screen, I'm declaring truth. My God is good. My God is always with me. And and what is the effect of that? I know that I need that. I know that I need to be reminded of that. I know that I want that to penetrate my heart that truth. In the truth of who he is, there our identity is also. And so when we say God is good, God is alive, God is provider, God is merciful, we can simultaneously know that we are secure in him. And that Psalm 23 ends in this, your goodness and your mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That's a factual statement he says. Why? Because this is the truth of who God is. And so in worship, a lot of times I'll stand in worship over here or if I'm in the drum cage and I'll just close my eyes for a minute. And this is something I do. You don't need to copy this, but you can. This is something I do. I'll close my eyes for a minute just to orient myself and this is what I'm declaring to be true. Soul, hear this. Heart, hear this. Mind, take note of these things. Remember these things. Remember how he was good. Remember how he saved you know that he's going to continue being that God in your life tomorrow and forevermore because he's preparing a place for me. Amen? Amen. So we have worship. And then he gives us scripture and prayer. This is meditating on truth. And Colossians 3, it says this, it says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are here on earth. Because I need to reiterate truth to myself every day, multiple times a day. I need it. This is one of the things I love about worship. Worship helps me remember these truths. And I, need, I need scripture. I need this every single day in some form. In some form. I don't care if you listen to it. I don't care if, if you read it. I don't care if you put some sort of app on your phone that pops up a daily verse. I need the truth in my life every day. And then I need to saturate myself in it. I need to meditate on this truth. As thoughts come, I pray and I remember what is true. He has given us his word as that which we know, that which to know and to live by, to build ourselves solidly on. That we're not going to be shaken by anything, but we're going to be solid on his truth. And he has given us prayer that we may reach out to him at any time and ask that we may receive. And that may just be, give me what I need right now to win this battle. Give me yourself. Give me your truth. Give me your power. There's something incredibly powerful about prayerfully meditating on what is true. Stopping for a moment and just speaking to God and just saying, God, you are good. God, you are merciful. You love me. Lord, help me to to know these things on a grander, deeper level. That's a a powerful strategy. And the third thing that he's given us as a strategy to combat these lies is community. He's given us his body. He's given us each other. Right here. Amen? Right here. This is why it's so important that we do this as often as we can. As often as we can. We are here to fight for each other, for each other, with each other. It's true that we all need people to speak truths in our life and to pray truth over our life. I am so thankful for those people that speak truth into my life. I'm so thankful for those people who I may not even know are doing it, praying truth over my life. Yes, we all need to be reminded of what is true. Not as an insult to our ability or our intelligence. I think this is like the simplest lie that Satan uses. Someone comes and reminds me of what is true in the moment that I need it, and I say, Well, you think I'm dumb or something? Such a twisted little lie. It's, no, they're not saying it because you're dumb. They're saying it because, because you're on a battlefield together. And he doesn't want to see you go down, he wants you to stay in the race. And receive the prize. We don't say it as enemies to one another. But allies on a battlefield. Amen. We should be actively speaking to one another. Lovingly what is true. What is true. These are the three strategies. Worship. Scripture and prayer. And community. This. Worship team can begin going up. The product of fighting real battles with truth. Let's get into some hopeful things. Hopeful things. There, there is a product of, of fighting these real battles. We're not just fighting these real battles so that we can have fairy tale prizes. No, real prizes, right here, right now. And then ultimately, the prize that we have with our Heavenly Father. So here they are. We got three of them. First, obedience. For myself and others. As I, as I fight... These lies, these lies which want to keep me from where God is taking me, what I'm actually doing is I'm staying on that path of obedience and righteousness that God has for me. It it says in Ephesians that uh, we're created as his masterpieces, as, as the product of his workmanship for every good work, which he is guiding us into. And so as we stay on the path with Jesus, we're being led into obedience. He's created you to partner in his work of goodness. And as we follow him, we are choosing to obey in that which he has prepared for us. And when I submit to making myself ready for every good work, what he'll do is he's going to bring those who act as salt. He's going to bring those in our lives who need salt and light. Light revealing truth. And so, now I'm combating and I'm going in obedience. And the product of that obedience is that I get to partner with a brother and sister that they may go in obedience. And stay on the path. And then there's longevity. Staying in the race. Staying in the race. You're in a race that has a finish line and a heavenly prize. Finish well to receive the prize. Fight the real battles that matter. Those that finish well have developed the habit of taking every thought captive to the feet of Jesus. Keep your guard up, both shield and sword, to stay in the race. And there, of course, is the blessings. The path that Jesus has for us is filled with blessing after blessing after blessing. Yeah, there's hard times. Yeah, there's difficult seasons. There's periods of pain, and there's, there's periods of suffering. And in the midst of that, blessing. Blessing all throughout it, as we go with him. You know, the 23rd Psalm, it talks about highs and lows. And then it says, no matter where I'm at, his goodness, his mercy, his love, there too. It'll pursue me all the days of my life. So don't cut yourself off from what God has for you. And don't cut others off from what God has for those around you through you. He is a God of goodness and blessing. And here's what I want to do to end. I just want, I'm just gonna ask us all to stand. And we're gonna read that twenty third Psalm. Let's read this together. And yes, I, I did mean together. We're going to say it together. Okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, So, Father, we thank you this morning that you are taking us somewhere new, somewhere good, full of your blessings. And I pray, Father, that we would remain on your path. I pray this blessing over every single one of us, Lord, that we would know the real fight that we are in. That there is an enemy looking to take us off of the path which you have for us. Lord, let truth be our weapon. Lord, we want to follow you. And so we say this in our hearts, declaring it, Father, you are our God. We will go where you go. We thank you, Lord. We ask, Father, that you allow us to worship you well. We declare the truths of who you are, what you're doing, and where you're taking us. Thank you, Father, for this morning. Amen.